Fear Not is the sermon series for this month. We're talking about fear. What fear is, is, is about. Fear, is, the definition is a distressing emotion that is aroused by impending danger, evil, or pain. Whether the threat is imagined or not, uh, fear is a very real thing that uh, each and every one of us have experienced at some point or will experience when we are rushed with that immediate fear. We know the physical responses that uh, happen in the body where, uh, you know, you have that uh, pounding of the heart, uh, you know, that rapid breathing where you, your limbs are now get this inrush of blood because uh, it's the fight or flight. You're either going to throw punches or you're going to run, right? That fear, what it does those stress hormones that, that increase, the adrenaline, the, the, the cortisol. And if you are in any prolonged state of fear, the damage that it can do to you, not just uh, to your body physically, your organs, but mentally and emotionally. We weren't created to live in fear. Fear is it's a complex emotion. It can impact your decision-making. It, it can uh, be debilitating or even paralyzing. Sometimes uh, you don't run and you don't fight. Sometimes you just freeze up, clam up. You don't know what to say or do. It's with fear, it, it can have a hold on you. Fear can ex hinder you from growing, from learning. It can hinder you from experiencing new adventures, or even trying new foods. I'm afraid of that. That doesn't look edible, right? But there's a healthy fear as well. There's a healthy fear, and it can uh, keep you from making unwise decisions, possibly life-threatening or life-injury uh, decisions. We heard the phrase, you only live once. And usually when people say you only live once, it's because they're about to take some kind of risk or they're gonna about to jump off some cliff or climb some mountain or skydive. I like to say you only live once, but flipped. You only live once. I don't need to jump out of an airplane, right? You only live once. I don't need to take such risks because I want to live. When I was younger, you, you know, we typically really have no fear. There's, the thought of repercussion doesn't really enter our minds, and so we do these uh, crazy stunts. But as you get older and you realize there's people who depend on you, like your family, your, your children, then you really start saying, well, I want to live a nice healthy age with all my limbs intact and all my fingers and all my toes. And, and so there is a, a healthy fear that will keep us from making unwise decisions. When we experience fear, our natural reaction is to want to seek shelter, security, protection, and, and even uh, comfort. We, we want our fears to be soothed and comforted. And tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about the comfort that comes through the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. The comfort that we receive through knowing Jesus as our personal Savior. The protection and, and the shelter and the security that comes uh, through having a relationship with God. In the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for the fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Don't you thank God for his perfect love? His perfect 
unconditional love that met us right where we were at. Uh, many of us here in this place, we, we didn't know what love was until we met the author of love, who is love, until we met God, until we met Jesus Christ. That perfect love that we just sometimes can't even really describe until you've experienced it yourself. Where in, regardless of what we've done in our lives and mistakes we've made and people we might have hurt, it's that perfect love that was unconditional that God gave to us. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And tonight I, I want to entitle, uh, entitle this message, Fear Not, I Have Redeemed You. Fear not, I have redeemed you. Redemption is defined as the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. We are in an interesting season right now. It's a season of lawlessness. It seems like there's a season of chaos, of uncertainty, of uh, tension. And, and understand uh, that none of it takes God by surprise. And I'm not saying that lawlessness is, is of God, but God can use the lawlessness uh, of this world to draw people to him. God can use uh, the wrong and, and what's, what's the mess that's taking place. He can use that to open people's eyes and to get them to come to a place where they recognize a need for a savior. Lawlessness, it's demonic. It's evil. It's heartbreaking. But the lawlessness, there's a strategy behind that. And that strategy is to get you to fear. It's to get you to be afraid. Afraid to speak out. Afraid to stand up for righteousness. There's a fear that is coming across people that they see what's wrong they see what's immoral, but maybe they're now afraid to speak up about it, uh, afraid of the repercussion, afraid, afraid of maybe losing a job uh, or losing uh, uh, out in school. There's that fear of publicly declaring the truth, the truth. Maybe a fear of going against popular opinion. And fathers understand that... Uh, the world would want to make you afraid to be the father that you're supposed to be, to be the husband that you're supposed to be, uh, to be able to say to your family and those around you, uh, as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. Why do you have your children in church so much? Uh, you're, you're sheltering them. Uh, well, how come uh, you don't allow your children to celebrate Halloween? Uh, they're missing out. Uh, all these things that get you to be afraid to take that stand for righteousness and, and maybe compromise a little bit. My children grew up in this church. We never celebrated Halloween, and they never missed out. We have a safe zone. It's a plug for the safe zone. I knew every single October 31st, I knew where my children were, and I knew who they were with. This month, our fears are going to be settled. I believe that through these messages, the power of God's word and the anointing of his Holy Spirit, uh, many of us here who might be wrestling with fear, our fears are going to be settled. And we're going to be comforted by the word of God and by the spirit of God. Jesus said in John 14, 27, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
Pastor Matt, he opened up last week with the sermon series, Fear Not, I Know Your Name, for I Know Your Name. And that's exciting tonight that God knows who each and every one of us are. The Bible says he knows the very hairs on our head, that there's nothing hidden from him. He, he knows who we are and where we are and what we're going through. And that's exciting tonight because what it says is that we're not alone. You ever been in a crowded place and you don't know anyone? And it could be intimidating. You could be in the midst of a crowd and, and feel alone because uh, you're by yourself. And you hear someone call out your name. You turn around and it's a familiar face. That's a comforting, right? Because uh, now you know, hey, I'm not alone. Uh, there's someone here with me. That, there's someone that has my back and I got theirs. And there's comfort in that. Uh, and we can take comfort in the word of God that God knows who we are and that we're not alone. We can take comfort in the fact that God, uh, there is nothing impossible for him tonight. And that whatever we find ourselves going through, as fearful as it may be, God's redemption is here. God's presence is here. God's spirit is with us tonight. Joseph, he was a man that experienced God in some of the hardest and darkest times of his life. We know the story of Joseph. It's a familiar story. It's a, it's a very popular story. It's a story that we grew up reading and listening to. He's this young man who was very favored by his father and a little proud of that, a lot proud of that, a little conceited, we'll say. And because of uh, the favor that was on him and, and the way he interacted with his brothers, the jealousy that arose uh, in his brothers, uh, they, they were debating on whether they should kill him or not. Imagine that. I think we have trials, right? And so they opted to throw him in a ditch and to sell him into slavery. He's a young man that uh, he was falsely accused of assaulting his master's wife. He was thrown into prison. But through it all, there was something about Joseph that sustained him. It was his faith in God, but it was also his reverence for God. Joseph revered the things of God. Joseph revered his Lord. He, you don't hear that he was uh, beginning to question God, like, why are you doing this to me, God? I was serving you, God. Is this how you treat your servant? Uh, you don't hear him mentioning these things. You don't hear him complaining about that. Sometimes when we're wronged, how do we react? And I'm not just talking about how we react to the individual that wronged us, but how do we react with God? Lord, I can't believe you let me down. God, where are you? God, what, how come you're so silent? How come you don't hear my prayers? How come they're blessed? How come you're letting them get away with that? And, and we forget who God is and who we are. It's that reverence for God that puts us right back into our place and reminds us exactly who God is. He's God. We're not. And that if we love God and if we are faithfully serving him, that no matter what happens or what comes against us, as long as we can keep our hearts right with God, God will settle these accounts. God will make a way. God will vindicate and validate each and every one of us as long as we're committed to serving God and reverencing God. We're all going to face trials. We're all going to face testings. It's how we respond in those trials and testings. Joseph, he was a godly young man. 
And he chose to honor God, and he chose to, to revere God, no matter what he was going through. And so where there is reverence, when there is reverence for God, there is redemption. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 21, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. We know that God has always been with Joseph. Joseph was highly favored. God had been giving him dreams. God had been speaking to this young man and giving him the call and the plan and the destiny for his life. It's inferred, it's a given that God was with Joseph. But we read it for the first time when he's sold into slavery and given, and, and given success in that slavery. And when he's thrown into prison, there's a reason why the Bible says that God was with Joseph in prison. It's because God isn't just with us uh, when things are going great, when the promotion comes in, when the check's in the mail. God isn't just with us when we're on that mountaintop and everything is, is awesome and we're growing and we can do no wrong. God is also with us when we suffer loss. He's with us when... The bills are due. He's with us when the finances are scarce. He's with us when we're sick. He's with us when we're going through trials. He's with us when there's tension in the home. He's with us. The situation doesn't determine whether God is with us or not. God's word and that he, is, he honors his word and faithful to his word determines that God is with us. And the Bible says uh, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. That's a promise here tonight for each and every child of God. We know that God was with Joseph, and it was evident by the way Joseph lived his life. Joseph was moral. He was loyal. He was trustworthy. And he was faithful. He was a man of godly character who chose to reverence God. Reverence is a deep love and honor and respect that is inwardly felt but outwardly demonstrated. And the way we reverence God and the way reverence for God is displayed in our lives is, is by the way we worship, by the way we live, and by the way we treat others. In John 4.24, Jesus said, uh, for God is spirit, and so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And what Jesus was talking about, uh, and what reverence is, uh, is a life of worship. And not just the 15, 20 minutes prior to a, to a, to a service where we come collectively and, and sing, but a 24-hour, a 24-hour lifestyle. Where when we wake up in the morning, we give God thanks. This is the day that you have made, Lord. I will, I will be glad in it. Until we go to bed. And close our eyes and thank the Lord for a blessing and thank the Lord for keeping us one more day. Worship is, is something that we live uh, by the way we honor God. By God becoming our priority, by God becoming uh, our everything. And we worship God and as we worship God, we see that our lives uh, begin to change. We live a life that, that would honor God. We live a life that would please God. We live a life that would bring him glory, that would bring him praise. 
And when people would see a child of God, they would say there's something unique about him or her. He's got a deep walk with his creator. It's a lifestyle that we live. We reverence God. We know that God is watching, and, and we keep ourselves from stumbling. We keep ourselves from anything that would bring him dishonor or that would hurt him. And I'm not saying that we're perfect. We, we all have our issues. We all have our struggles. But we live a life that would seek him, a live, live a life that would honor him by the way we would conduct ourselves and how we would treat others. God loves people. The heartbeat of God is people. He sent his son to die for people. And we reverence God by serving those that he has touched and those he wants to touch, the community, people within the body of Christ, the voiceless, the innocent. Jesus, he lived a life that was reverent. He reverenced the Father. And when he taught his disciples how to pray, he said, when you pray, you say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What was he saying? He was saying, understand that the name of God is holy. That the name of God is sacred. The name of God is blessed. That the name of God is exalted. The name of God is awesome. And he wanted us to remember just how mighty and just how powerful and just how redeeming the name of God is. The Bible says concerning the name of Jesus uh, that there is no other name greater. It's a name above all names, and it's by the name of Jesus that we're saved. It's by the name of Jesus that we're delivered. It's by the name of Jesus that we're healed. It's by the name of Jesus uh, that we're sitting next to our family tonight. It's by the name of Jesus that we're in church on a, sun, or on a Wednesday evening. It's the powerful name of Jesus. It's the name of the one who is, who was, and forever will be. It's also the name by which we're called. We're called Christians. And you know what a Christian is? It's a disciple of Christ. It's a follower of Jesus Christ. And our lives should reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. There's a story in the Bible where the people were listening to the disciples preach, and they said, well, we could tell that these are unlearned men, but you know what? They spent with time with Jesus because they sound a lot like Jesus. They talk a lot like Jesus. They walk a lot like Jesus. Peter, when he was in the courtyard denying the Lord, the woman said, I see through it. You're a follower of Jesus. I could tell by the way you're talking. Your speech betrays you. You're a follower of him. And that's what we should be. We should, we should reek of Jesus. Can I use that word? We should be offering that fragrant uh, of Jesus, that we smell like him, that we talk like him, that we walk like him, that we reflect his goodness and his love and his mercy. We reverence God by the way we live our lives. In the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verse 1. Here the Lord is, here God is, he's talking to Abraham. 
And he tells them in verse 1, he says, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul, the Apostle Paul here, he says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, he says, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. The beauty of, of God is that he finds us and he saves us just the way we are. Imperfect, sinful, messed up. You could fill in the blank. But he doesn't leave us the way he finds us. Thank God for that. He does something in our lives. He does a miracle. He begins to change us. He begins to heal us, restore us, changes our thinking, changes our speech, changes the way we dress. He changes us from the inside out. He redeems us. He makes us whole. He makes us brand new. And so when we're to be holy, it means that we're to be consecrated. We're supposed to be set apart. No longer of the world in the world, but no longer of it. Now we are setting ourselves apart. We're separating ourselves uh, so that God can use us, so that God can carry out his will and his plan in and through our lives to reach other individuals, to reach other people for his glory and for his kingdom. When he saves us, we come to him the act called repentance, where we turn away from our sin, when we turn away from the sinful lifestyle, where we repent from what we were doing, because maybe it was unbelief that we needed to repent from, and we turn to God. And where there's repentance, there is also redemption. See, I talked earlier about that healthy fear, right? It's a healthy fear of God, and, and I believe that the Fear of God should be present in each and every believer's life, actively present. It's that reverent fear of God that reminds us just how holy God is. Just how holy he is. And sin cannot be in his presence. And that's why he sent his son Jesus Christ to come to this earth and die upon that cross. To bridge the gap between sinful man and a holy God. That resurrection where he defeated sin and he defeated death and he defeated uh, the power of the enemy. And he grafted us into his kingdom. And so, like Pastor Reggie always tells me, brother, you're not righteous. You're righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your life. He's made us righteous. He's made us holy. He's redeemed us. That's good news tonight. I'm hoping I'm encouraging you, because that's my prayer, is to encourage us tonight and remind us who our God is and who it is that we serve. we got to thank God for what he's done in our lives. We're born again. Born again. We've been given a second chance, third, fourth, fifth chance. God has redeemed us. He's saved us. We remember what we used to be about, what we used to be involved in. I know there's individuals here we would either be dead or in prison if it wasn't for what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Marriages that have been restored because of what Jesus Christ has done. 
healings. God has healed people from cancer here. God has healed people from diabetes here. He's healed people from sickness here. We need to give praise and glory for what he has done. We need to let him know we appreciate that. Thank you, Jesus. Redemption does have some requirements. Book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 10, verses 12 and 31. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require, is that word, of you, but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to love him and serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. In Micah 6, 8, he says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy, mercy and to walk humbly with your God? I love that scripture. I love that verse. What it's talking about is that we walk with God. And when we walk with God humbly, that means that he leads and we follow. He makes the rules. He sets the boundaries. He is the one that guides us, illuminates our path, warns us directs us it's not the other way around these are my plans god can you work them into your schedule this is what i'm planning to do god can you give me the blessing and the okay it's lord what would you have of me lead me and guide me in this i'm making a decision and i'm bringing to this i want to make a decision but i'm bringing it before you in prayer i'm seeking Godly counsel. Is this the direction you would have me to go? That's, that's walking humbly with the Lord. There's a scripture in Proverbs 14, 12, and it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It means that we have to be teachable. We have to be teachable. I worked with an individual years ago, not in my current job, but years ago, and he knew it all. Literally knew it all. He wasn't teachable. And I would try to say, well, you know, how about, nope, nope, he already knew, he already knew. And I felt bad for the guy because I don't even think he lasted a month. And in that month, he blew up a, um, a phone system for a hotel in, in um, downtown, and he flooded a customer's house. And it was for no other reason because he failed to heed the direction of the supervisor. And I remember specifically how the foreman came and said, this is the route I want you to go, and he explained the job to us. And this individual, his way was right. And the result was he uh, was fired. And in our lives, we can look back and see some of the mistakes that we've made and hopefully learn from those mistakes uh, and not repeat those mistakes. And that's why we seek God, and that's why we seek his word, and that's why we seek... Uh, fellowship with one another so that we can make those good decisions, those decisions that line up with the word of God. When we talk about repentance, not always necessarily has to do with some sin or habit, uh, but sometimes we just need to repent for trying to do things our way. Repent for trying to sidestep what the will and the plan of God is for our lives. Joseph Again, referencing back to him was a young man that through it all, he decided to do it God's way. Joseph, he, he never ran from the call of God upon his life. He 
didn't run from the suffering that he was enduring. The only time that we hear that Joseph ran was when he ran away from Potiphar's wife, when he ran away from the, t- the temptation, when he ran away from that sin. But Joseph, through it all, and I'm sure Joseph went through trials. Imagine you're being thrown into a prison falsely. But yet Joseph maintained his reverence and, and chose to serve God according to how God had instructed him to serve. There was just some, a process that Joseph had to go through that he couldn't avoid. And that process that Joseph went through was to establish in him something that comfort wouldn't have been able to provide. The plan of God for Joseph's life, and sometimes the plan of God for each, for, for each and every one of us here, it means dying to self. It means picking up a cross. It might even mean sacrifice. But it's a plan that if we just trust that process, we'll see God carry us through to the end, the way he did in Joseph's life. He went from serving in the jail cell to all of a sudden the second in command in Egypt. Second in command, ruling an empire. And his word was law. What he said went. Pharaoh trusted him with his kingdom. And the ultimate test that Joseph faces now is when he sees his brothers. The ones that threw him in prison. The ones that I'm sure at some point he just replayed all of the conversations and everything that took place. And he sees his brothers and it could have been easy for him to say, now it's my revenge. Now it's my time. I'm going to make them feel what I felt. But I'm sure somewhere along the line he felt like that and he repented because when he saw his brothers, there was love for his brothers in his heart. There was repentance, there was forgiveness that had taken place uh, in the life of Joseph. Because had Joseph uh, did what that flesh would want to have done, Joseph would have missed out on the healing that God wanted to do in his life and in his brother's lives. And he would have missed out on being able to see his father once again. Sometimes when we experience things uh, and we go through things, it's just so that God can show himself deeper in our lives and greater in our lives. It's just so that we can have a more connected walk with him. Because sometimes we forget God when things are going good. It's easy to forget God sometimes when things are going good. In the book of Genesis, chapter 50, verses 15 to 21. You know, Joseph, by doing what he did for his brothers... He allowed his brothers, by forgiving his brothers and setting them up for um, success, he allowed his brothers to experience the destiny that God had upon their lives as well. Could God use those individuals to to establish the 12 tribes of Israel? These, These individuals had destiny upon their life. They had a calling on their lives as well. And we see how the enemy was trying to, to kill all of that before it even happened. Thank God for his redemption. Thank God for his redemption and his grace. The book of Genesis, chapter 50, verses 15 to 21. It says, but now that their father, uh, Jacob, was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph would show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong that we did to him. 
they said. And so they sent messengers to Joseph. And before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong that they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. And when Joseph received the message, the Bible says he broke down and he wept. And his brothers came and they threw themselves down before Joseph. And look, we are your slaves, is what they said to him. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for the good. And he brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. Don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. And he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. What a blessing, speaking kindly to them. We need to speak kindly to one another because there's redemption in speaking kindly to one another. There's redemption in building each other up. There's redemption in serving one another. My wife was telling me of this story about what was taking place in Israel right now, that this couple, these terrorists came into that home and they were going to kill this couple. And the wife and the father began to speak to these individuals. And the woman said, let me make you a meal. Let me cook for you. These are individuals that are ready, that have been killing people and were ready to kill them. And, and this lady says, let me cook you a dinner. And she says, let me bandage up your wounds. She was potentially serving she was serving her potential murderers. And there was redemption in that. Because obviously they lived to tell that story. God intervened is the way I looked at it. But this woman's act, this woman's act of service, right down to her possible potential death, that's, that's got to be God. Because there's no way I would be able to be like that in that situation. Where there's redemption, there's rejoicing. And that's the truth tonight. The Bible says in Psalms 107, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. The, that's the New King James. The NIV says that the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. The New Living Translation says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others that he's redeemed you from your enemies. There are so many stories in this sanctuary tonight. Uh, there are so many stories uh, about what God has done, about how God has saved, uh, what he's brought you out of, where he's taken you to, the, the destiny he's given some of you here in this place tonight. There's a lot of stories. Uh, and when you tell your story, you're honoring God. You're giving praise and glory to God. And when you're telling your story, you're giving people hope. You're letting people know that all is not lost. What God did in my life, he can do in your life. Uh, God is the God of impossibilities. And when you're telling your story, you're overcoming the enemy. By the word of their testimony and the blood of the lamb, that's how we overcame the enemy, the Bible says. Uh, and you know what else takes place? We remind ourselves of the goodness of God. As we're telling our story, we're telling people what God has done in our lives, we're reminded just how God how good he's been in our lives. We sang about it tonight. The goodness of God. We could be dead, prison. We could be out in the streets. Who knows? Oh, but God's goodness. 
God's goodness. The Bible says uh, that it's the goodness that leads us to repentance. Because uh, a lot of us, when we were out there doing whatever it is we were doing, we knew we were wrong. We knew that hell would await us if we didn't repent. Uh, we knew the misery it was, it was causing uh, the people that loved us. But that wasn't enough to change us. You know what was enough to change us? Was the goodness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the tenderness of God. That's what brought us to a place in our lives where we said, forgive me, Lord, I'm a sinner. I accept you into my heart. As we close and as our worship team comes up tonight, I remember when I got saved, I was telling someone this story just recently that in that first year that I had gotten saved, I lost three friends, uh, guys I had played football with in all four years of high school, and they were close friends. And uh, it was hard the way they died because it was, um, they were cut way before their times. We were all kids, 18, 19 years old. And I just remember being in a Sunday night service after having heard that uh, one of my friends had passed away from a drunk driving accident, I began bawling like a baby in the middle of the song service. And yes, there was sorrow for having heard the news that my friend passed away, but those tears were really tears of thankfulness because of what God had done in my life. He spared me. He saved me. And had it not been for the things of God and, and, and wanting to be where God's people were and wanting to be a part of what God was doing, I would have been there with these individuals at some point. And so I just remember thanking God because he was so good and he saved me. So appreciative of, of being in, in church on a Sunday night. Could have been anywhere else, but I was in the house of God. And to me, I was, and it still is, it's the greatest blessing that I get to be amongst friends and family. We get to serve God alongside one another. Praise the same God. Right now, we're in a world that's tense. It's uneasy. It's a lot going on. We might have more questions than answers. Uh, we see the wars and the rumors of wars. We, we see the signs in the heavens above and on the earth below. And understand that all of these things are just the indications, it's the signs that this world is going to end at some point. This isn't our home. We're passing through. We're children of God. We're citizens of heaven. That should excite us tonight. And that should calm and, and calm our fears uh, that whatever's taking a place, an ocean across, God is in control. God is in control. Whatever's happening in our backyard, God is in control. We don't have to fear. We don't have to live uh, anxious, uh, worried lives. We've got to live lives that are reverent, repentant, and rejoiceful in the things of God. Jesus, he comforts us time and time again. And he says uh, in Luke chapter 21, verse 28, he says, now when, you, when these things begin to happen, everything that I was just talking about, he says, look up. Lift your heads because your redemption draws near. When the enemy wants to 
make you feel anxious. When the enemy wants to make you feel afraid. When the enemy comes to intimidate, uh, when he comes to stress, uh, when he comes to rob you of your peace, look up, look to Jesus. He's our redemption. Our redemption draws near and everything that's taking place uh, in, in this world right now, God is sovereign. His will will be done. His message will be proclaimed. His people will be saved. His children will be protected. And his glory will continue to shine. And guess what? He gets to use each and every one of us as that. We've got a good message. It's the good news. We've got the gospel. We've got our story. We've got the Holy Spirit. The word of God still strengthens us. And the Holy Spirit still comforting us. Amen? Amen. Let's give God praise. Uh, Let's give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, thank you, Father, for all you're doing. Heavenly Father, even now, have your way. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy. We thank you for your peace and your grace and what you're doing right now in this altar call, Heavenly Father. You're in the sound of my voice tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Uh,